Welcome back to Lost Legacies. I'm Matt. And I'm Sam. Ah, well, here we go, buddy. We're talking about season two, episode three, orientation. Michael Sawyer and Jin find themselves prisoners after they encounter what they believe to be a group of others. Meanwhile, at the hatch, the group learns more about their new surroundings, but are confused by Desmond's reaction when the computer is broken. I feel like this is the weirdest episode of the IT crowd ever. <laughs> I mean, you know, De- did Desmond really try to just turn it on and off again? I don't know. He was doing something with it, but yeah. He replaced the motherboard, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's a pretty big thing to do. Yeah, I think so. I don't know much about computers, yeah. but mothers are per- pretty important. So Yeah, yeah, mothers are pretty important. We are recording this post-Mother's Day, so... So this episode was was wild because I, I really enjoyed the last two episodes, mm-hmm. but we even we mentioned it last week how it feels like it was just one episode. Like they could have edited down to one, but it mm-hmm. would have been rushed. And like the last two episodes, they a lot happened, but the plot didn't really move forward like mm-hmm. at all. This episode kind of makes up for it. It slowly moves forward, but the way it does, just like Lost, just this, like you know, the the way it moves forward and the way we get answers is by adding more questions. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like this definitely felt like it felt like a three parter. Even even certain characters like Saeed shows up halfway through. I'm like, oh yeah, completely forgot about him. I haven't seen him since season one. Yeah. I mean, technically, we, he has been in the background doing different stuff these three episodes, but like we haven't really got to spend time with Saeed. Mm-hmm. So, so it was kind of a reminder. Same thing with Hurley. It's like, oh yeah, okay. Um, this did feel like one giant episode split into three. Yeah, but I thought it was this. This one, I don't know. It was just I, I've seen it before, and I was anticipating everything, and I loved it. What about you? Since this this was your first go. I thought of of these three episodes so far, I thought this was the most thrilling of them all. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because, you know, we did have we did have like the big setup in the first episode of the hatch. Like we're in the hatch now, we're in the surrounding. The whole thing was leading to the final confrontation between Jack and John and Desmond. And then once we get to the second episode, it's like we're we're still doing that. We're just doing it from a different perspective, and it it's slower. We already know where that's going to end, and it ends on the exact same note. So when it started up again, and I'm like, we've seen this scene. Like this is the third time we're seeing this scene. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of it. Let's move on. How are we going to mm-hmm. do it? And we move on in glorious fashion with Kate finding the armory, wielding a shotgun, and knocking Desmond in the back of the head. I'm like, yep. Yep. Go. There you go. Back. Now, there you go. That's how you move on from stagnant scenes. You you give someone a shotgun and have them pointed at someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, just like I I I agree with what you're saying. Like this does feel like the end cap of like a kind of big season opener, you know, because we're still going through the motions from this like these this this weird arc that everybody kind of seems to be going on you know jack and Locke are still having this debate that started last season mm-hmm. you know and this is like the culmination of that event where 
you know, they are, their ideologies are now like made manifest in this little dome space. Right. Right. There's a scientific reason that all of this is happening. And yet there is a leap of faith aspect to it. And the, the the entire idea behind this, what feels like an experiment, you know, this observation place, you know, it's, purely scientific you know that's like that's what it is and so jack automatically reads that as like oh okay yeah it's a psych test there's nothing going on here there's absolutely nothing going on here you don't put in the code nothing's gonna happen whereas Locke feels drawn to this like everything that he's done has led to him going down into the hatch finding the film learning about you know the the numbers and all that it's like this is all for a reason and this this needs to be done you know it doesn't matter it it doesn't matter if it's real or not you have to do it and i just think that that's so cool i think it's cool that like and it's such a very interesting way that they've created this space to like literally battle out and test out these two characters uh opposing ideologies and then on top or at least underneath that you have Jack slowly coming to the realization that he knows Desmond he's and he's pissed and we don't know why because it does feel like man there's a lot of aggression going on here I'm not sure why and then like that all comes out at the I know I'm like jumping around everywhere but that all comes out in Desmond's final scene where Jack is just more upset because Desmond is the reminder of I maybe like Jack's greatest failure or the life that Jack left behind doesn't have anymore. You know, right now, I don't know what it is, but for me, that was my initial reading into that is like, there is this person from Jack's past who knows Jack who, who knows a little bit of Jack's history. And in that Jack is pinning all of his anger and aggression about the situation that he's in on the Island, the situation that he's in with Locke and the hatch. And he's pinning all of that on Desmond, you know, just about ready to like blow his head off at the end. And when he says that, like he married her, he married the girl that he that he that he said he failed. He married her, and then he lost her. And that right there is just like, oh, oh beans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just oh beans. It you know, it's like it's tough, and you know, like there's I I have to say, there is a level of like melodrama and maybe soap opera that the show manages to just like weave into like this sort of high concept, you know, pitch where it's like, we're going to put all these people on and I, it's kind of the thing that we were talking about last season where it's like season one just feels like a thesis for all of these like writers and artists to like get their aggressions out on their uh, absent fathers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's free therapy. <laughs> Season one is free therapy for, you know, your, your daddy issues. Whereas, uh, whereas this episode just does sort of feel like, you know, there's, 
there's just so much going on and yeah i think that they 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 really do just like they the writers are really just weaving in the story of like high emotion and you know high drama into this into the setting of the fantastical and i i i think it's great i think this is one of the strongest both written and performed episodes so far it's great i love the show we definitely saw a different side to jack this episode i don't know like i it, it is crazy because it like you said he's throwing he's pinning all this stuff on desmond all these feelings Desmond represents and reminds him of something he no longer has. That's, but that's only one, one aspect of it. The other aspect is how is like he said, the differing ideologies, you know, we're talking about the differences of, of Jack and Locke's beliefs, mm-hmm. but there's also the differences between Jack and Desmond's beliefs. Mm-hmm. Desmond when he first meets him, he was very much like that faithful guy. He's just like, just believe, you know, Desmond was just there saying like, what if you do fix her? Like mm-hmm. what, what if, and he did, but then it didn't work out mm-hmm. for whatever reason, the, the miracle and, and what didn't work out probably have nothing to do with each other. And I think it goes back to, to Jack's, crappy dad and saying like you don't know how to give up jack didn't just save this patient he ends up marrying her Mm -hmm. so what does that mean what is that relationship plus we know that jack is not like a a, a, i don't want to say spiritual because we're not really talking about spirituality or or anything when when i say faith we're not actually talking about a spiritual a spiritual faith at least not right now Mm -hmm. maybe from Locke's perspective there's some kind of there there's a bigger picture it's more of like the universe has pulled me here maybe even the same thing from desmond there's a higher power involved desmond's the only one who mentions miracles and again that was uh in the flashback, you know, whereas Jack would, he, he's struggling so hard with this concept of the leap of faith. I think Locke even has a line somewhere in this episode where he's like, nothing about this place makes sense. He says something to that fact. Mm -hmm. And, and it's like, yeah, that's the thing too. Like Jack is so dead set against what is happening around him. You know, and that's where it's so much more. It's like, yeah, it is him taking out all this stuff about Desmond, but it's also his just outright refusal to accept that impossible things are happening around them. Mm. You know, he's just refusing it. He's literally in the hatch. You know, they're possibly talking about something that may or may not destroy the world. It's easy to see how Jack can write all that off. But still, everything that's happened on the island so far none of it makes sense, Jack. None of this adds up to what we thought the world was before the crash. Mm -hmm. And Jack's refusing to accept that. He's just trying to stick his head in the sand and stay there. And I think, you know, this, this is a real good look at that character of Jack Shepard. 
he's, he's tangible. He he needs proof. He needs to see it. And even when he does, when he's in this entirely new world, he still refuses to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who knows? Maybe that changes. I don't know. He does come back at the end and helps by giving the correct number. I don't know, but I love, love, love when he, when that final shouting match, when they're going to put in the numbers, Mm -hmm. I I just love that whole scene because Locke is asking Jack, he's like, I don't want to do this alone. And Jack's just like, here's the number, whatever. You know, he's trying to wipe his hands of it and Locke's not letting him. But Jack yells at him. He's like, why do you find it so easy to believe? And Locke shouts back, it's never been easy. And I was like, yes. I was like, that, that, that's, that's, that's a whole, that's the whole thing about uh i don't i don't want to get too far into this but it's the whole thing about <laughs> spirituality and religion and 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 everything like it there's this misconception by both people who do have a certain faith or who are religious and then those who aren't it's this idea of spirituality or faith being i don't know i don't know what you want to call it of uh like the easy way out Hmm. You know, oh, it's so easy to to have like a fallback, something like that, you know, to, to say like, oh, you believe you believe it must be so nice to believe in this or to believe in that. And unfortunately, a lot of problems we do have with religion and religious organizations and people who do have a faith or some kind of spirituality, a lot of the problems we have from those people are the people who are of that mindset. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's it's a fallback, you know? It's like, don't, it makes things easy. And don't, like, so don't even, don't even get me started on, like, the difference between Christianity and Catholicism because a lot of it is based on that concept. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this thing we believe in makes it easier for us. When in reality, it's like, no, it makes it more difficult. It makes it more challenging. And that's where Jack and Locke, I think for the first time, they kind of realize that. Like this, this, they've both seen it the same way. This is impossible. None of this stuff is possible. Yet Locke is the one who's choosing to, to walk that path. To believe mm-hmm. it, and I just love that entire that that whole concept from Locke's perspective. This isn't easy. This is the challenge. This is the test. So I think they finally found some kind of common ground, even maybe just for one scene. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But like we said, it, this this seemed like a three part episode that has pretty much wrapped up. So mm-hmm. so now we have an entire season two ahead of us. I'm really interested to go back revisiting this show and see like, okay, how does how does how does this conflict between these two guys evolve over the season? And like what's next? These these mm-hmm. three episodes almost feel like an epilogue for the season. Like, okay, now what? What's gonna happen? <laughs> yeah. We've talked about everything else in the hatch was kind of uh uh, extra, everyone else showing up. I think the the one thing we, we should talk about is the orientation film, which mm-hmm. this episode was named after. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? 
Oh man. Oh, okay. And when it starts off, it plays. And who do you see? Jules Freaking Pierre Mal. Jules Pierre Mal. I believe son of a bitch. I believe the actor's name is Francis uh Francis Chow. I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. Francis. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he's a character actor. You see him in a lot of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. and he plays Jules Pierre Mal, who is like a really sinister kind of bad guy in the expanse, which both me and Sam love. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to see him show up in this was very like, <laughs> I know as soon as it came, as soon as like the film popped up and he showed up, I was like, Oh, son of a bitch. This is, this is not going to end. Well, I already know yeah. this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, I just love that whole, that whole little, uh, film they're watching just to the like the audio issues they have the way that the the footage cuts out every now and then and it straight mm-hmm. up looks like something was spliced out at some yeah. point right yeah at various points it feels like that like certain things have been like cut yeah purposefully and very like you know hackneyed it's it was really cool it and it wasn't until the end where Locke says we have to watch that again and then it cuts to commercial I was like oh wow that was that was long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was, that really... was a that was a really long, you know, it may yeah. have been, you know, like two minutes, you know, but mm. for but for you know for television at the yeah. time and just for as long as these episodes are to devote that much time to showing this little orientation film that we kind of have no context for. Right. Just yeah. to show it in its entirety, you know, quote unquote, it's like, it's kind of bold. I really like it. Um, and I mean, obs- it cuts, it cuts here and there to see reactions of Jack and Locke. But yeah. For the most part, it's just an orientation film. Yeah. And part three of six. Yeah. They do mention that because they're mm-hmm. in hatch three of six. Mm-hmm. The Swan. The Swan. Okay, so now we're getting some some names. Now we know mm-hmm. it's called Dharma. Uh, we've seen the symbols these last two episodes, mm-hmm. um, but now we know. Okay, it's the Dharma Initiative. Uh, I I love it. I love the little the little music and everything. Um, I think Loss was just everyone was just latched onto Loss so tight. They're like, give us something, feed us anything that they could get away with just saying, Hey, we're just going to make this orientation film and show it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people were like, we're latched on man. And then like for weeks, if not months later, people were still just like trying to, to rewatch the scene and just find different clues and all this stuff. I imagine, um, I imagine, you know, how people, you know, anytime a new, like, marvel trailer a new dc movie trailer comes out and they like go we're gonna do our you know 11 and a half minute you know trailer breakdown for this for this two minute trailer that we got you know we're gonna go second by second we're gonna talk about it we're gonna do this like i imagine people were doing that for this orientation film being like okay what were the names of those two people something somebody de groot okay like and they're some sort of college okay like oh uh, at the very end, it says "All rights reserved, 1980." Why is is that date important? The the 86 or whenever it was made. Like, is that important? I I don't know. We're, let's let's collaborate. Let's find out. Like, I just, yeah, I think yeah, that's totally totally message boards just lighting up. You know, and we we already had the the tattooed shark last episode. I know. So like all these little things, like people 
like it was really cool because this this was the start of that lost mm-hmm. was already big as a phenomenon but people started really delving into uh the uh well i, I don't know what, what do you call that like um research studying tear it pulling apart the show trying to learn more trying to figure things out i'm you know like analysis sure they're yeah. trying to analyze the show <laughs> yes yeah. they're trying to is analyze, that the word but it's analyze yes that's what i meant to say oh my god if the word analysis it's easy to mispronounce it and say something <laughs> completely wrong so <laughs> yeah yeah but and this is also 2005 um social media is still very very new so mm-hmm. a lot of this is going on in the forums mm-hmm. uh and it's just people were finding each other like-minded i don't know what you call lost files lost heads <laughs> losties. losties 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 yeah they they're finding each other this community started to grow you know mm-hmm. uh, it was just ah man it was just a cool time to be alive it was fun Mm-hmm. Is everyone online talking about Dharma Initiative? What is it? So, of course, they're trying to find like real life uh, equivalents. Like, what were some programs like this? Um, from the little orientation film we saw, they mentioned like they believe in like this kind of utopian society, lots of uh, uh, putting your beliefs in science and philosophy and just all this is wild. You know, these realistically, these were the this was the type of group that was trying to unlock the human potential by doing LSD. <laughs> yeah, on, on a college campus somewhere, you yeah. know. And and I mean straight up, I can guarantee freaking to you the those two creators of the Dharma initiative was on LSD when they started this. Oh yeah. I mean, maybe yeah, you even maybe even the uh what was his name? We talked about Jules Pierre Some- Mao. What was his name? Oh, he did. Uh, oh, he did have a name, didn't he? I don't remember. I just remember the De Groot are the are the last names of the two people that started the program. Mm-hmm. But the guy who was funding it is his last name was Hanzo. Oh yes, and we get the very ominous shot uh-huh. of him. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm like that's. That's very interesting. I was I, I always love it when uh you know modern filmmakers try and like emulate footage from like I don't know like the 70s or 60s or something and it's like it's obviously you know like superimposed very early stage photoshop of you know like this dude and we're just putting him in a mirror or in a window but um I don't know. I just like it. You know what? Give me a second, Sam. I'll edit his, this out. You're going to go to his IMDb? No, I'm going to go to the episode. I just want to see if he says oh. his name or not. <laughs> okay, I'm back. I just had to go rewatch the little clip real quick. Uh, he introduces himself as Dr. Marvin Candle. Which is not what I just looked up. So, huh? That's interesting. That's suspect. Yeah, that's very suspect. I mean, the entire thing is suspect. You know, like I look. I am all for you know trying to figure out utopian you know civilization. You know where we don't have to 
focus on money. You know, money is not the driving force. Of the thing. I want life to emulate Star Trek just as much as the next person. Yeah. But when you're dealing with shady, you know, when you when you're dealing with shady fringe science funded by obviously, you know, like capitalist elitist, you know, in the background, like you're going to have some problems. There are going to be some things. I, uh, I don't remember when it came out, but this definitely gave me uh, like Bioshock feels in terms of, because that's, that's, that's what the, uh, um, that's what the city is, is Mm -hmm. basically founded on. Like it is, uh, it is a utopian esque society for scientists and artists and free thinkers to be, uh, to to be free to to do the things that they want to do without uh, without you know the say of like religious uh, religious factions you know without the say of you know governments and all that that's what Andrew Ryan is like is really like touting you know and spouting mm-hmm. out to you know to the people that is like you know no gods no masters like that's the entire thing for Bioshock. Uh, and that's kind of, I'm getting kind of heavy vibes from this. It's like, we're, you know, we're trying to just do these experiments and create mm-hmm. a utopian society. We want to push society into looking at meteorology and science and parapsychology and electromagnetism. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, they mentioned electro, uh, they, they mentioned electromagnets twice mm-hmm. by name in this episode. And in the recap, they showed Jack's key being pulled by the electromagnet, which that's got to be a pretty heavy duty electromagnet because keys aren't like magnetized, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I want to say I, they're not magnetized, but I guess it's just because they're so small. There's probably less. I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But Desmond brings it up. Mm-hmm. You know, when Jack says it's not real and he's like, I don't know, brother. When I walk down that hall, my my feelings are hurt or something. He says something like that. His feelings. Oh, his feel his feelings are hurt. <laughs> what do you think this electromagnet is pulling, Matthew? I don't know. It's it's a metaphysical electromagnet. It's not actually pulling metal. It's pulling out people's souls, trying to suck the souls out of people's bodies. I could have swore he said via feelings. electromagnets. Yeah, but I guess it makes sense. Feelings. Yeah, yeah. Which means the key is a magical item, and it's <sighs> got like a soul trapped in it. That's my. That's my new thing now. I'm just gonna find little like Ugh. snippets of things, and I'll be like, you know what? The key around Jack's neck that opens up the the suitcase full of the mar- the air marshal's guns. Uh, that's a magic item that has a trapped soul inside of it, and that's what the electromagnet is uh, yep. pulling at. Yeah. Well, nothing else. I guess that. you win today, science. <laughs> uh, Oh, God, also like people it's... with accents because Matthew can't understand them. Yeah, I know. Such a good accent though. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Now that we've thoroughly now that we discussed it. that, we thoroughly <laughs> dissected this episode. Let's talk about uh let's talk about the C store. I mean, well, one, we didn't even get this is a John Locke episode. Mm-hmm. We didn't even talk about any of his flashbacks. Nope. Um I get like see I guess this is the thing where I'm like I still feel like Lost may be a stronger show without the flashbacks. Mhm. I can agree and, to that. 
this episode doesn't really help my case though, because mm-hmm. one, it's not doing anything, you know, really to further any sort of like plot or tension or anything, even really like talking about, I guess, like certain themes, because there's so many things going on in the A story on the island that you're like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little hard for you to like find the relation between yeah. where Locke is at the island and where Locke is in the past. I and I guess they, it's a thing of him like letting go. I think they should have just pulled the plug right away and and done an episode without flashbacks. Because it's like they wrote themselves into corner. Like we have to have flashbacks every episode. Exactly. I don't I, I think that's really that's to the detriment of the show. Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time, I also think it's much cheaper to film flashbacks than it is to film everything else on lost. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, like just looking at the set that they're in, you know, yeah. and like now we're adding CG sharks with Dharma tattoos yeah. on them. Like, well, and like they built the, the, the hatch set. Okay. You build yeah. it, you pay a buttload of money. Cause you want to look good. Uh, that's it. That's good. You have a new set for the season. Uh, but to actually get all your gear and equipment into like the Hawaiian jungle. That's got to cost a lot of money. Yeah. So it's much easier to write a scene with Locke and his new girlfriend at a restaurant or mm-hmm. on a city street. You know, it's kind of like that mindset as well. This show had to be super expensive because of where they were filming. Mm-hmm. And because, yeah, you know, so special effects, CGI, all that stuff. So I think that's part that's part of the reason why they wanted to continue with flashbacks. But again, I feel like I wish I was in the writer's room when they're trying to crack open the second season because we keep saying it. These first three feel like one giant episode with the exception of Desmond. I feel like this would have been a better episode for Jack's flashbacks mm-hmm. and locks would have been the first episode mm-hmm. Because, like you said, Locke's like the the flashbacks were good enough. I thought it was fantastic acting. Katie Seagal plays his new love interest. Yeah, Helen. I guess yeah, like you said, the whole point of his flashbacks in this episode was for him to quote unquote move on. She's the one who teaches him, especially at the end. She literally says, "It's a leap of faith." Mm-hmm. he's the one who teaches him that because because he was a very angry man in this episode dealing with his abandonment issues both as a child and as an adult from his terrible father and helen is the one who kind of at least this is the beginning we see she's helping she helps him kind of get out of that mm-hmm. we hope because that's where the episode mm-hmm. ends um but we already know what happens to john According to like his flashbacks, he well at some point he still he becomes paralyzed at one point, mm-hmm. but then he also becomes like a broken man, and this mm-hmm. episode gives us hope otherwise. So we know something's going to happen, mm-hmm. but this does this does fuel Locke's kind of mindset or beliefs of it's a leap of faith. So it's kind of cool to see that like, okay, where he is now, he is, he is going back to whatever positivity he had with Helen. He's moved past 
the anger, the brokenness that we first met him. And now he's becoming a stronger person. And we see, okay, this is kind of where maybe where his faith began or something. Mm -hmm. And I think that would have, that would have suited just fine being the first episode. Instead, what we got was Jack's story of him somehow fixing this woman, Mm -hmm. you know, of this miracle that happened. How cool would that have been in this episode to have Jack's flashbacks all about him learning? I don't know if you want to say learning, but experiencing this miracle. Mm -hmm. Something impossible has happened. But then to see him on the island totally not believing it and saying, like, no, this is impossible. I would have Mm -hmm. loved to see those two different opposing, like you said, opposing ideologies, but all within him. I thought that would have been cool. Mm -hmm. But, of course, the whole twist of the first episode is that Desmond is the one in the hatch. Yeah, I don't know how they would have done it. But, like, I originally think this was a single episode as a Jack episode. Mm-hmm. And then they quickly realized, okay, we're going to have to move some stuff around here. Yeah. We can't yeah. fit it all in one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And I think that, yeah, like to the show's detriment, like they have to have flashbacks in, 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 in every, in every episode. And, you know, kind of like, kind of like Michael's episode la- uh, last time, I'm not disputing that they're not well acted. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like, you know, like the, the every, like everybody is getting like, you know, maybe not necessarily like the best material, but they're selling it. You know, last, last week, you know, Michael really sold us on the pain that he was going through with having to accept the fact that he hasn't been around and that he doesn't know his son and that he is just trying to hold on to something. And that's kind of an interesting thing that both Michael and Locke are having to go through where they both have to let go. Mm-hmm. Even Jack's episode to a point is about him letting go, not necessarily of, of not quitting. Yeah. Like, like not like, quitting, not quitting, but it's like letting go uh, in terms of like, you have to take that leap of faith, mm-hmm. you know, you mm-hmm. do your best. And at some point, you let it go, you mm-hmm. know, and that's exactly what he does. And he gets his miracle. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then that's what Michael has to do with his son. He has to let Walt go with his mom. And then that's what John has to do. He has to let go of this, this validation that he's seeking this, this answer as to why this happened to him, why he was chosen. And like, it doesn't matter. It happened. You have to let it go. You have to move on. You're never going to get the answer that you want. And again, all three of those, all three of those flashbacks, you know, very well acted, very well performed. I my pitch after season one, after having flashbacks in every episode, people getting multiples, you know, doing all that stuff. My pitch, everybody gets one. Like one episode? Yeah. Okay. Everybody gets one flashback. Yeah. Per season. You fig- yeah, per season. Okay. After the after after season one, you know, because we're experimenting, you know, we're doing this, we're trying to get everything on. Boom becomes global phenomena. Season two, everybody gets one flashback. If you're gonna do Jack's flashback in the opening, 
that's it. Well, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it is, you know, and and again, I, I think the thing that I'm getting is that like, I really love the flashbacks when they're done well. Yeah. Even if they don't necessarily move anything forward or, or anything like that. Like I, I really like them when they're done well. Yeah. I just, I, I cringe when they're not good, you yeah. know? And, and then it's just like, why did we even have to have a flashback? They should yeah. just cut it for no. more of the Island stuff. Like so far we haven't really had, we haven't had like a terrible flashback. Most yeah. of our problems with the flashbacks is that they don't really vibe well with the rest of the episode. Yeah. Which is rough when some of these flashbacks are half the episode. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, my pitch is I was going to go the opposite way. Everyone, you still do flashbacks every episode, but you do less of them. You don't need three, four flashbacks per episode. Yeah. Just do one or two or hell. We got a TV show. ABC wants to keep us around for years. Let's play with it. What mm-hmm. if this entire episode, half of it is a flashback, the first half, mm-hmm. and the second half's on island? Now, I understand why that kind of worries people, like, oh, they're going to switch it off or turn it off or or, or blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think you, you, you could play with it. You mm-hmm. could do different things. Boone's flashbacks were super short, and I like that. It really helped that episode. Mm-hmm. I wish they went with that mentality with some of the other – cast because mm-hmm. all three michael Locke, and jack are the three of flashbacks so far season two they're all pretty good but they didn't need to be like the whole episode you mm. could easily trim the fat out of all three of those episodes by trimming the the flashbacks mm-hmm. so i don't know i i i see where you're coming from i also see how because my my reason for keeping them is i feel like it is important. We each of these three episodes, we have got a new piece of the character that we didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's nice. And we're going to see how that progresses their storyline this season. I don't know. I just think they could have done a lot more with flashbacks or, or I don't know, just playing around with it. Mm-hmm. With the exception of Charlie, I think everyone has had pretty good flashbacks. Agreed. But if you take out all the island stuff, like the flashbacks are, they're solid. Yeah. I mean, it would be just like an anthology, short stories, mm-hmm. you know? And like, wow, these are pretty good. Like they're legit, especially this season. I think we've seen a good, um, even though like the, they're not big, like big flashbacks where it's like, whoa. Um, I think. That's the noise I make when, you know, something's good. Whoa. When your mind gets blown. Yeah. Even though they weren't mind blowing, they're pretty solid. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like watching This Is Us. You know, it's like, oh, crap. Okay, cool. You know, so I don't want anyone listening to think they're like, we don't like the flashbacks. It's just we don't like the way a lot of them are used with the majority of the show. Yeah. Though sometimes when it works, it, it like fires on all cylinders. When mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's mm-hmm. very evident. Like, okay. That's like the one time the show feels dated when the flashbacks don't really vibe with the island content. You're mm-hmm. like, 
Mm. Yep. That was the 2000s, man. <laughs> Just wait until someone gets the bullet time <laughs> effect. Oh, man. That'll really date the show. Exactly. God. Just like just like that one Wesley Snipes movie. Oh, jeez. So, speaking of um, bullet time and bullets and guns, let's just talk about the Rafties real quick. Yeah, yeah. He's thrown in a hole mm-hmm. and by the, the others. And who they throw in? That's my girl, Sam Emrod. Mm-hmm. Michelle Rodriguez is back. <laughs> You thought oh. she was just a, a random guest star in the season finale? Of course I didn't. Of course not. No, I'm not talking to you, Sam. I'm talking to, oh, okay. to them. To them. The, yeah. To uh, the others? To they, yeah. Uh, whoever they may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she's back as a badass. Total boss move. Like, oh, I'm a prisoner too. I was also on the same flight. Blah blah blah. Sawyer pulls a gun. She punks him out. She takes it, and then she gets lifted out. Mm-hmm. I just summarized that whole thing. Yep, it was yeah, actually that- pretty good. It, it was really good. Like I loved her performance. I love when they're they're trying to communicate with Jin, like what he's seen, but he only knows like one word in English, which is others. Mm-hmm. Um, so I loved all of that. All of that uh, was really fun, uh, even though it wasn't like action packed the pace was faster than what was happening in the hash. So it was really yeah. nice. And I like that twist. I like the way it ends with Michelle Rodriguez being one of the quote unquote others. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just, it was a cool little chapter. And now that this quote unquote, one single long three part episode has finished, I think it'll be easier to, to jump back to those guys. Agreed. Yeah. You know, agreed. Just to see how their story is progressing. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, man. That was awesome. Um, you got any last thoughts before we go into MVPs? Uh, you know, I people are really just disrespecting my boy Hugo, and when he's telling you to stop, you need to freaking stop, drop, and roll right then and there because this is the second instance where he's tried to tell Locke to stop doing something because of the numbers and Locke keeps pu- pushing through. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm with, I'm with Hurley. I'm like, dude, seriously, don't put, don't put in those numbers. I even like that. You know, like once, once John starts typing in the numbers, he's like, no dude, stop. And then he turns around and John gets the last number wrong. He's like, you know what? Never mind. Go for it. <laughs> And then Jack comes out and he's like, it's not 32, it's 42. And then Hurley's just like, it's the meaning of the universe, Sam. It's the universe. Exactly. 42. It's the answer to life, universe, and everything. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay, so who's your your MVP? This is, yeah, this is a tough one. And I know I'm going to pull a rabbit out of my hat and I'm going to give it to Jack, to Locke, and to Desmond. What? That is look, cheating. <laughs> look, if we did we did ensemble last time, yeah. okay? And did it's we, like, did we? I don't, I don't remember. Well, not well, not not to like uh, not for last episode, mm-hmm. um, but like we did ensemble for part one of the season finale because it was like everybody oh, did so mm-hmm. well. Like 
how am I supposed to give somebody like just one person MVP? You're insane. Can't do yeah. it. And I kind of feel like, especially with, you know, with these three episodes under our belt, I feel like we've gone, we've come so far for those three mm-hmm. that, you know, like, yeah, I could obviously say the like, yeah, sure. Like Jack. Yeah. Jack gives like just that, you know, that performance, you know, and he's giving it his all at the same time. So is Locke, you know, especially because this was Locke's episode and in both the present and the past, you know, you can, you see this, at least in the past, like you see he's in pain. Mm-hmm. He's struggling to move on. He's angry. And here he's angry because he doesn't know what's happening and everybody's abandoning this thing that they found, mm-hmm. you know? And then, and then you have Desmond, who's just like, he's just giving like this panicked, you know, performance, this, this man alone, you know, uh, you know, vibes that I'm just like, and then, but when he gets to have these conversations with people, you're like, there's, there's a, there's a human being under here. He's not a mad scientist. You know, he's not the crazy apocalypse, you know, prepper or anything like that. He's somebody who was put in this situation and this is Mm -hmm. all he's known for who knows how long three years like potentially three years yeah i don't know it's like they said they he said it was three years ago that he met jack where he was training for his around the world that's right that's right so so it's been less than three years so it's been less than three years but we don't know how long he's been here yeah so like what okay yeah. So we got to talk about this real quick because he does give a little of his backstory. He was on, he was sailing around the world when he, I don't remember if he says he crashed or what, but yeah, he uh, ends up on the island and a man mm-hmm. named Kelvin rescues him and mm-hmm. takes him down into the hatch. Mm-hmm. And that's where he watches the orientation film. And together, the two of them, Locke even mentions this later, there always needs to be two in the hatch. Mm-hmm. The two of them, they have to push the buttons. Every 108 minutes, they have to push the magic numbers. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, Kelvin dies, and it's just been Desmond on his own since. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a lot of little details in there. You know, Desmond keeps saying that people outside are going to get sick. He's he's taking, like, the Dharma medicine with him, um, all this stuff. And and once he figures out the computer's screwed, he just sees, like, I'm going to run as fast as i can as far as away as i can mm-hmm. um but that just kind of kind of summed up his stuff real quick but i think it's important because he straight up leaves and we don't know when we're gonna see him again yeah but yeah that was just kind of some info dump he he gave all of us but mm-hmm. um it was really good you know it's just like it's just like like we were saying earlier all those new pieces of of info and details which is like whoa just soaking mm-hmm. in my my sponge brain <laughs> they're going into my lost stew yeah you know and hopefully by the end of it that stew's going to turn out pretty well yeah so um yeah all right we can give it to the ensemble because i thank agree you. thank um, you i'm gonna give it to giacchino because the music man yeah uh, specifically the orientation music <laughs> i just <laughs> okay it was so it was so culty you know, mm-hmm. like you're you're being pulled into the world. I'm like, we're riding it, this black rainbow, Sam. We're going it, in. It's just light enough to where you're like, this is kind of fun. And then it, it keeps getting like, it keeps getting like ripped into, and you're like, yeah, okay. But I don't know if you watch the end credits to the show, 
but that is essentially the music that was like hidden in there. Like it's just whatever. But then you hear do, 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 do. It's like the end credits, the little creepy lost notes that Giacchino uses. It's just, I don't know what kind of instrument they use or whatever. It almost sounds like digitized. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of creepy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Even uh, even even in the scene where the where the others are dragging everybody into the little like hole in the ground, mm-hmm. even that music is is. I wish I made a note of it, and I wish I could remember how it goes. But I was like, this feels very like Lost World. This feels kind of Indiana Jones right now, you yeah. know, just like how they're you know they're these villains dragging these people into the you know into the woods. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it was yeah, 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 Jake, you know. Um, okay. Stuff here. Um, MV, uh, that was MVPs. Uh, that was MVPs. Um, yeah. Three episodes in, we it seems like this whole opening has not been closed, but this this it seems like we're in it now. Epilogue is over, or intro to the show is over, whatever. And mm-hmm. now we're gonna be getting into okay. Now what happens next? So what do you think? What what are your guesses? Well, Desmond's gonna come back to save the world. Interesting. Sawyer and Anna Lucia. Will they? Won't they? Nice. Uh oh. Slight tangent, but once again, the polar bears came up in the orientation video. And I I have to stress this. What the hell is Dharma doing with these animals? <laughs> They've got freaking polar bears on a jungle deserted island and they got sharks with tattoos just swimming around, you know, their, their coastline. Like I, I have to think that Dharma is trying to do some, like, we're going to make our own, uh, this is going to be a deep cut for all you comic readers out there. We're going to make our own zoo crew type, uh, animal team, you know, where we create these like, or we we experiment on these animals and we're just we're creating our own like justice league of animals you know we're gonna have like a weird polar bear that can survive any climate and i don't know smart sharks that's all i got right now yeah dharma is making uh an animal justice league is okay and i was gonna say like i don't think it succeeds because this is the prequel to we bear bears Oh my god, do you, yes, yes, Ice Bear. Ice Bear is a direct <laughs> yeah. descendant from the polar bears on yeah. <laughs> on the island. On there, yeah, yeah, I can totally see that. I'm sure we'll find out all the answers next week when we talk about season two, episode four. Everybody hates Hugo. Oh no, that's the title, Sam. <laughs> No, in which loves Hugo. <laughs> in which Hurley has reason to be worried when Jack gives him a job. Oh no. <laughs> hey man, honestly, economy's rough right now. Honestly, Hugo, same. You can get it, take it. <laughs> At what cost? At what cost? At what cost? Yeah. Well, guys, we had fun. It kind of feels like the pistons are are going, man. Like it seems like we're gonna, we're starting to pick up speed, mm-hmm. um, especially with this episode. So we'll see. We'll see what happens next. Um, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review. 
all that good stuff. A lot share. of cool things. Share. A lot of cool things are happening in the podcast world right now because Apple has crazy world domination plans and podcasting is a part of that. And because of that, Spotify is stepping up their game and trying to compete. So there's a lot of cool new things coming out and we're kind of, you know, just keeping our, our ears and eyes open to try and see what we can use and what would be fun. So yeah, go ahead and keep using that lost legacies hashtag. Mm-hmm. I'm watching and I haven't seen anything so far. So, <laughs> so you keep in mind, the less you post, the, 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 the less, the more we know. What? Uh, <laughs> what? I don't know, man. I'm hungry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you can find me at uh, Twitter underscore Matt Jimenez and on Instagram at a holy hand grenade of Antioch. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at real, that's R E L, Texas Weirdo. Cool. Until next time, get, get lost. lost.